Skull Rock Podcast is brought to you by the generosity of the following companies. Sure, sound extraordinary. To podcasters, recording musicians, and streamers who are looking for studio quality audio at home or on the road, the Sure MV7 Podcast Kit is a premium all-in-one solution inspired by the legendary Shure SM7B and is designed to address the versatility required by modern creators. For more on the Shure MV7 podcast kit, visit shure.com, S-H-U-R-E.com, or click the link in our show notes. Shure, sound extraordinary. And by The Old Mill Press, publishing beautifully crafted books that illuminate our world. To learn more, visit theoldmillpress.com. And by listeners like you. Skull Rock Podcast, talking all things Disney, with your hosts, El John Go and Dave Bossert. Welcome to Skull Rock Podcast, the show about all things Disney and pop culture. Every week we take you in behind the scenes of some of your favorite Disney films, theme park attractions, performances, books, music, what's streaming in theaters, and what's going on in the universe of entertainment. I'm Al John Go, musician, Disney, Marvel, and Star Wars fan, and lover of pop culture. You can email me, Aljon, A-L-J-O-N, at SkullRockPodcast.com. And I'm Dave Bossard, uh, stunt double and uh, daredevil, and you're listening to the Skull Rock Podcast. If you love Disney and pop culture, please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. You can also like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And you can also email me at Dave at SkullRockPodcast.com. Uh, Al John, here we are for another great show. Uh, we've got Master Sergeant Ernie Gunny Napper, the Disneyland flag ceremony guy. I mean, that's yeah. where a lot of people will know him from. And I can't wait to get to uh, the conversation with Gunny. He is such a nice man. What a legendary figure. I think uh, the flag ceremony at Disneyland and Walt Disney World are some of the best things and so heartwarming and very touching uh, to see and witness. So I can't wait to hear the stories and about how he was able to get uh, into the Walt Disney Company, as it were. Yeah, from the Marine Corps. It's amazing. Uh, once again, just just wonderful stories, and I can't wait to uh, hear about that. And uh, thank you, Ernie, for your service. I mean, it's it's great stuff. But uh, before we land into that, Dave, um, yeah, uh, why don't you tell us? I mean, did you have a good week this week? I did. You know, it was it was a busy week, I have to say, uh, but it was a good week. Nice. You know, I'm uh, I'm working away writing on the House of the Future book. Nice. Uh, and that's coming along really nicely. I'm very excited about that for next year. Yeah, yeah. Um, and by the way, I've also been doing uh, a bit of work on uh, the Nightmare Before Christmas book, Ooh. which is coming out of Disney editions. Well, that's great. It's a long time coming. I know. And, I know. Uh, you know, so yeah. this is what happens, though, when you miss a milestone like the 25th anniversary. You know, they 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 had to wait now for the 30th anniversary, which is next year. Well, great things come to those who wait. It's been aging like a fine wine. You're going to be adding some really nice stuff to it, I'm sure. And I I'm can't excited wait. because there's there's so much stuff in this book that people have never seen before. It's all behind the scenes stuff. Well, with the wife and I love A Nightmare Before Christmas. We are fans of Tim Burton and we're fans of your books. So we can't wait 
to check out all of that info on that when it drops, hopefully what next year. Yeah. Gosh. It's, it's, uh, it's supposed to come out next, next fall. <sighs> it's going to we'll be say. Yeah. It can't come soon enough. Hey, uh, We've got all that, and I'm glad that you're working on those books um, because it is the holiday season. I'm looking forward to talking more books during the holiday season for sure. Um, But we are talking now, before we get into the news, about what we've been watching this week. And Dave, uh, you've got a lot of stuff in the queue here. I I do. You know, I I actually went and saw a 60th anniversary screening of Dr. No, uh, and it was beautifully restored by the people at Lowry Digital. Yeah. Uh, Those are folks I actually did work with many years ago, um, uh, restoring some of the Disney animated classics. Wow. And uh, so, you know, it was so great to see this first James Bond movie, uh, Sean Connery as James Bond. Uh, Dr. No, uh, 1962, it first came out. It's a 60th anniversary, and I, I had never seen it in the theater, so it was, it was really a treat to see this movie on a big screen. Man, it's one of my favorites of all time. I mean, my dad and I used to, dad's a huge James Bond fan, and up until Daniel Craig, I've seen every one of them, and I'm slowly going through the Daniel Craig catalog, mm. trying to get it, but uh, Dr. No... I mean, you can't get more classic than that. Sean Connor. Oh, I know. Yeah, it's the first one. The first you one. Know, it, it was terrific to see it. Uh, and then I uh, on uh, Hulu, I watched Prey. Finally, yeah. Uh, so we can which, talk about which, it. Which is sort of a backstory to the Predator movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, I thought it was okay. I mean, you know, it it was well done. It was well executed and, uh, it was entertaining. It just didn't have, um, the, the production value or the, or I think you used the word gravitas before we started recording of, um, you know, the original series of films with, uh, Arnold. It didn't have that scale. One of the most uh, iconic pieces of that that movie predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger is the scene where he, you know, he covers himself in mud and then he lights the torch and he goes in very high upon the treetop canopies and he just screams, you know, like I'm ready for you. Come and get me. And he, his scream resonates throughout the, the pullback and there's the, the, the entire forest and, you know, and those are those type of epic scenes that would have played out great. I think, especially with a Native American background. Yeah. Um, and it just didn't happen. You no. know, you have the wild wilderness there. You've got the predator on the hunt for this young girl who is an amazing warrior. You know, I think Comanche, I think. And it just didn't have that gravitas. And I think, uh, without spoiling, there's really some scenes that could have had a little bit more weight to it because it was so dramatic. And maybe it was just the, the scope but uh, and budget, but I just would have preferred a little bit more. It could have been more. Yeah, I I, I agree. Uh, but you know, it, it was entertaining. Yeah. Um, I also watched on Prime, Amazon Prime, uh, Samaritan with um Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. And and I think they're trying to position this as a, a potential franchise of a superhero. Uh, and uh, you know, I, it was entertaining. Um, I, I thought it was, uh, you know, it was kind of cliche to me mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, yep. story wise, it was, it was pretty pedestrian. Yeah. I found it the same. Um, 
you know, it's one of those things where you neither like nor dislike, but I, I, I tend to, to like it a little bit just because, um, you know, it, it's fine. It's not the worst superhero movie. It's not the worst. It's not the best, but it's not the worst. And, uh, and I feel like, uh, it had shades of that unbreakable from M night Shyamalan. Do you remember that with Bruce Willis? Uh, yes, yes, okay. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you on that, yeah, you just, know, and yeah. you know, look, I, I it, it was fine. Uh, it wasn't great. Uh, mm-hmm. but it was, if you're looking for sort of a popcorn movie, that's, uh, uh, action packed, uh, you know, you might want to watch this at home. Yeah. It seems like Sylvester Stallone, uh, has, he's got this, um, it's almost a fairy tale um, kind of situation. And I'm talking more, not, not necessarily fairy tale as it is a parable, right? Yeah. I feel like it's got some, there's some little hidden, uh, not so hidden meanings, you know, behind it, uh, in terms of morality and such. So yeah, interesting, but, uh, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this next one. Uh, well, I have to tell you, um, uh, the reservation dogs is back on HBO max and uh i uh you know i i just keep watching the episodes as they drop it's such a great series it's good you know it really is a great series and i'd recommend this to anybody uh uh it's 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 got a heart to it you know uh and it's different and it's oddball characters uh it's something that really resonates and i enjoy okay well, that's good. That that's on the list. You know, I've got to try to sneak in some shows whenever I can, and that's definitely on the list. So I like. Yeah, that. and then I finished watching Murders in the Building. Uh, this was season two. I finished that off. Um, it's it, you know, it's such a an enjoyable uh, series to watch. It's got a great cast in it, and uh, I was happy to see that uh, HBO Max picked this up again. Uh, they're going to do a third season. Uh, so that's really, uh, terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, again, uh, really, you know, the chemistry between Selena Gomez, uh, Steve Martin and Martin short is just really fantastic. You know, there's, there's just an ease to it and it's just a really well done show. And I love the production value of the apartments, you know, the, the set, <laughs> the sets are, set you know, the, yeah. the production design is just fabulous. It looks amazing. And then, yeah. And then I watched the second episode of she hulk attorney at law uh-huh and i i still like it you know <laughs> i mean i have to i have to tell you you know again i will tell our listeners when i first heard they were doing she hulk attorney at law i rolled my eyes and thought oh my gosh this is gonna <laughs> be terrible uh-huh. and i was proved wrong yeah. uh absolutely proved wrong um it, this is really a fun fun show so far and i'm really enjoying it oh that's great to hear yeah i'm i'm like you dave i saw she hulk with a wife and it's funny it's irreverent and i can't wait to see more of it i think uh it's great but uh and i don't want to spoil it so i'm just gonna leave it at that Um, okay but it's good and i also saw the samaritan uh like you and she hulk as mentioned uh but i also saw this this is a guilty pleasure uh, for me to some extent, because I grew up 
watching Richard Simmons on TV, much like a lot of people did. My yeah. my mom, rest in peace, you know, got the whole sweat into the oldies VHS series and you know, she was doing the the whole aerobics craze back in the day at the old house and um I always thought he was such a uh I guess a, a heartwarming individual. He was loud and funny and and people really dug him, but I, I, what I always loved about him is the fact that he is very tender-hearted and loves to help people. And I had to watch the TMZ investigates what really happened to Richard Simmons. And uh, <laughs> I'm not a I, fan of TMZ. I, I'm shocked. <laughs> I know, right? I'm not a fan of TMZ, but when it popped in my Hulu queue, I'm like, I got to watch this, right? So it's one of those series where they chronicle uh, Richard Simmons life. And then they find out later, you know, what happened to him. And of course, really it, the, the whole thing could be summed into a, probably a 10 minute to five minute segment on, on any news talk show. But, right. But the fact that they went into a psyche and how much he really wanted to help people and um, interviews and all that. I mean, I, I got sucked did, in. Did they, did they stalk him? They did they, stopped, of did, course. Did they relentlessly like try and follow him and oh, see always. if they could catch him coming out of his house? And- always, always. You know, I mean, there, there, there are things that they do and they stalk him and they're, I mean, it's a paparazzi based show. If you're for the uninitiated, I don't know who on earth in our listening audience is not familiar with TMZ at this point, but yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I can't believe I watched it, but I, I watched it because I love Richard Simmons. Can't help it. Yeah. You know, you know what? I, 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 there was a time where he seemed to be everywhere. Oh yeah. He was on talk shows, morning news programs. He was doing, you know, uh, exercise stuff on every show you can imagine. And then all of a sudden he just bang disappeared. He sold somewhere upwards of a hundred million cookbooks, Dave. He had his You're own. You're kidding me. No kidding. kidding. According really? to this, 100 wow. million cookbooks. He was a, a everyday staple, as you've said. He had his own talk show slash cooking show, uh, kind of like Rachel Ray, but in the 80s. It's like right, I mean, he right. was his own brand. He had his uh, uh, Simmons, uh, Slimmons, uh, you know, thing in Los Angeles. So he had his little spa slash workout uh you know, gym where people would come by and see him once a week, but he is one of those, those individuals that wears hearts on his sleeve and he was bullied a lot growing up. And then when he found a way to help himself out of that depression um, and being bullied, he learned, he, I think he, he felt like his calling was to help other people, but he took it all and shouldered it all. He, he, there was a quote on there that said when he would call these people and follow up with them on a weekly basis, he made it his mission to, to help them hundreds of people. And when they failed at their weight loss and, and they were pouring their heart out to him, he took it personally. And he said, it's mm. my fault. It's my fault that these people are not doing, what can I do to help these people? And that this is just trying after so many years, well, I, think. I think it wears you down. Yeah. He's one of those people that couldn't, as Dr. Phil would say, he just didn't compartmentalize Dave. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, that's one of those things, but, uh, yeah, just one of those characters uh, in pop culture that, uh, meant so much to a lot of people. And, uh, I think he just went out on top of, he's still alive. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to spoil that. And a lot of people know he's still alive. He's just a recluse. Yeah, and he's not going through a gender transition, is he? No, 
No, he's no. not going through that so, at all. So that was that debunked in the uh, documentary? It was, it was debunked in the documentary. I think. Um, oh. Long story short, um, you know, he wa- he didn't want he didn't want people to see him age and get older. His knees are really broken down. He elected not to have certain surgeries. Yeah, and he he's probably. Uh, they alluded to the fact that he's living his life in plain sight, but he's disguised himself. He's grown a beard. I think he's changed his hair, wears hats and stuff. So he goes out in public and watches movies and things, but no one ever knows who he is anymore. And he doesn't, that, he doesn't even talk to his friends anymore. It's just literally like a circle of three people that, and the LA department, uh, uh, sheriff County knows, uh, he's still alive and they check in on him like every month, but everything's fine. Uh, uh, awesome all right crazy well, yeah it is crazy okay <laughs> who knew this was going to be the richard simmons podcast today <laughs> um but anyway what are you watching let us know we'd love to hear your recommendations and like last week uh, i did add that shania twain documentary uh to the queue from one of our listeners so i'm looking forward to seeing that all right awesome. all right <laughs> Skull Rock Podcast, ripped from the headlines. It's Skull Rock Podcast headline news. Dave, you've got stories. Hey, you know something? I I saw the trailer for Pinocchio. It's dropping day and date. Uh, or I should say it's dropping on Disney Plus on September 8th. It's not going into the theaters. It's just going on Disney Plus, right? I'm surprised. I'm surprised. Yeah. Why didn't you put this in a theater, man? This is wonderful. Looks I, great. You know, I looked at the trailer. It looked fantastic. It's, you know, Tom Hanks as Geppetto. Uh, it's being directed by uh, Robert Zemeckis, who did the Back to the Future movies and so much more, who framed Roger Rabbit and all that. Um, and I have to tell you, uh, it looked on the surface to me when I saw the trailer that uh Robert Zemeckis is treating it similar to what John Favreau did with the Lion King film that John Favreau did. Uh it looks like he's sticking close to the original uh classic 1940 Pinocchio animated film uh and uh that was you know that seemed pleasing to me. Um uh it looks really interesting. I'm gonna watch this when it drops. Let's hear just a clip of it. Pinocchio. Be brave. Truthful. Non-selfish. You will always be my real boy. Okay, I got chills. So, you know, I have to tell you, you know, it's no secret. Pinocchio, the 1940 Disney animated classic Pinocchio is by far my favorite top number one pick of any animated films that have ever been done. That to me is the pinnacle of the art form. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I love that film. Absolutely love that film. Yeah. And I have to tell you, uh, I don't mind having seen this trailer and then the version that uh, Guillermo del Toro is doing, which is a stop motion version that's coming out. Um, I don't mind uh, seeing these variations off of it. It's not going to replace the original Pinocchio for me. It's just a different telling of the story in, in uh, with different visuals. So yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Me too. 
I, I'm like you. It is one of my favorites. I still think Dumbo just has a personal um, ring sure. for me. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, and and Bambi for me is just uh, those two movies in particular, and of course Pinocchio is number three. I would watch w- with my family when my dad would rent stuff from the public library uh, when I was growing up and right, got those eight millimeter films. Yeah. But this uh, looks absolutely amazing. Once again, as Dave said, this is going to be dropping on Disney Plus Day as a Disney Plus Day premiere, September eighth, only on Disney Plus. I can't wait. This is yeah, be there's great. a there's an, a, a tremendous amount of content dropping that day because they're calling it Disney Plus Day, right? Yeah, they've moved it up from you know their normal. I guess it happens in I guess October. Uh, into November, I guess, uh, because of when Disney Plus launched, what, two, three years ago now? Three years, yeah. maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, it seems like they're doing it in conjunction with the D23 Expo. Uh, they are. They are. Yeah. They absolutely are. Um, how about this? This is another one. I'll play a little clip for you. I remember clearly the first time I saw Star Wars. Hello there. It's a surreal world to be a part of. Coming back to it after all these years. I love this. Obi-Wan Kenobi, A Jedi's Return. It says a special that explores the return of Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker to the screen, which, uh, of course, heralds Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen coming back to their classic roles. Director Deborah Chow leads the cast and crew as they create new heroes and villains that live alongside new incarnations of beloved Star Wars characters. An epic story opens this Disney Plus Day, September 8th. And um, it's amazing when you look back at where the prequel trilogy is in Star Wars and how history has kind of changed to support the the, the sequel trilogy. Um and, and then to have these characters and actors come back and reprise their roles, uh, looking back on it with such fondness, and now to be embraced yet again with a whole new generation of Star Wars fans is pretty cool. Yeah, uh, this is a documentary, right? It is. Yeah. So, uh, and is it an hour long, two hour long? Do you know? I don't know. Um, yeah. It just seen, says behind the scenes documentary about the making of the series, September 8th on Disney Plus. So, okay. I would think that this is, you know, maybe hour, hour and a half long, perhaps, you know? Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to that. And it's great to see uh, Aiden Christensen come back because uh, he was criticized so much for that, you know, as they say, quote, wooden dialogue in the prequels yeah you know but not his fault <laughs> no no not at all you know? act, don't blame the actor for this yeah. um d23 expo is going to be live streaming daves uh it's completely sold out as we all would expect but uh, d23 expo is going to be taking place september 9th through 11th and then the live begins with the um Disney Legends Award Ceremony, so we can see your friends uh, walk that aisle and get presented with their Disney Legends, like Don Hahn and uh, that would Chris be Montan. Chris Montan, of course. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be great. So everybody can check this out. Now, check this. Um, the schedule is up at d23.com. Uh, so please check that out. But they've got uh, the kickoff ceremony, which includes Bob Chapek. He can't run from this one. Um, and of course, <laughs> we've got a bunch. I wonder of, what the reception will be with him. You know, uh, I don't know. I mean, look, team, we we talk about Bob Chapek all the time. 
um, and all the controversy surrounding his decisions regarding the, the Walt Disney Company uh, since uh, Bob Iger's departure. He's a very, what's the word I'm looking for? Divisive character? Is that fair to say, Dave? I, you know, it seems that way so far, you know? I mean, it's unfortunate there's been so many missteps, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it is unfortunate, but you know, it is what it is, by the way, you know, I do want to mention, I'm going to jump in here because I read on Saturday in the wall street journal, an article titled Disney's magical new pricing formula. Okay. And you know what they refer to it as yield management, you know? <laughs> so ridiculous. this is all about, I mean, basically what this boils down to, and I know that a lot of the fans out there have been talking about the price hikes, uh, but that's what this boils down to is that they, instead of trying to get as many people into the parks as possible, now they're trying to get as much money out of uh, fewer guests. In other words, they, they don't want to put, you know, too many people into the park uh, obviously because of the pandemic that we just came out or we're coming out of, and they are wanting to boost the yield off of each guest. So less guests going into the park than before the pandemic, but they're getting more money out of the people going into the park. If that makes sense. Of course it does because you can't get you can't shove any more people into those parks. Yeah, but, but they're can't. they're actually having less people in the parks. Well, they, they're know? having to do yeah, they're having to do they're having to do a lot more with less, right? Because they're the they're the way they have things structured already, uh it, you can be at maximum and you can't get over that that current maximum that they're able to fit within the parks due to you know, I guess pandemic levels, right? Because of, of different things. So, I mean, there, there, you can only do so much, but yeah, I yield management. Oh, come on. You know, so it's yeah, maximizing it's, profits it, as always. I, I, honestly, I have to tell you, this is, uh, literally, um, the, uh, to me, this is, this is where Walt Disney's rolling over in his grave, you know, <laughs> because he never looked at it that way. Uh, but it says in fiscal 2021, the first year that both of the Disney, uh, uh, both of Disney's two main U.S. resorts had reopened following the worst of the coronavirus pandemic, attendance at Disney's U.S. parks fell by 17 percent compared with the previous year. The company reported per capita spending by guests grew by 17 percent, or nearly three times the average annual growth rate during the previous decade. So uh, there you have it. It's all about uh, getting more out of less. And yep. that's what they're focusing on. That's why they're charging uh, because, for parking. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, the, what that does is it makes the parks a better experience by having less people. So they're not packed like sardine can. Sure. You know, so you have less people in it, but they're getting more out of those people. Sure. You know, and they're doing it, I think, you know, at the um, essentially uh, uh, to the detriment of the annual pass holders, mm. you know, of course. they are. So, so in a sense, they're saying they don't want people who have an annual pass just coming in every week and wandering around the park and not spending money. 
they'd rather have they'd rather have somebody coming in from out of town uh, or on a on a vacation going into the park and eating at the restaurants, buying souvenirs, going on attractions, you know, all of that. Well, as long as they keep on providing perceived value for the money that people are spending, as well as making sure that people are cast members are trained to understand the Disney difference. I'm okay yeah. with that because, uh, you know, yeah, I, I, and I mean, and I say, I say I'm okay with that because people love the fact that Disney parks are supposed to be the premium product for people Right. A, a premium experience with the best cast member service imaginable, right? Yeah. And that's what keeps my wife and I going to the Disney parks and experiencing that and wanting to experience in that. But th- it has fallen and um, training has fallen down a little bit since the pandemic and people are coming back. People are still don't know uh, how to help guests a certain way. So I'm hoping sure. that... Uh, they just step up because you're spending a lot for that premium experience. So. Yeah. And, and by the way, I, I would say here that, you know, from my standpoint, if you look at it on the surface, you know, the, the grumbling is coming from a small uh, corner of the fan base. Uh, and uh, people are still going to the resorts, still going into the parks and still spending money. Uh, and you have to sit there and look at it and say, Disney's doing something right because, because if they weren't, then would all these people be going and spending all this money? Yep. The turnstiles would not be moving. They're still moving. Yeah, that's exactly (laughs) right. You know? So, Hey, listen, I, I'm, I'm all for having less people packed into the parks on a daily basis. And if that means you got to spend more in the parks, well, that's what you got to do. You know, there you go. There you go. Well, don't forget, uh, learn more about that and the parks and how they're going to yield, maximize the yield of you attending the parks and the D23 Expo when the Expo happens September 9th through 11th. There you go. <laughs> the I, I, will be, I will be up in Maine, my friend. Uh, enjoy. I I'll be monitoring. I'll be there. I'll, I'll be covering the event. I might actually uh, set it up to stream on our uh, Facebook page, so that might be kind of cool. Awesome. Awesome. I, uh, one of my favorite shows, The Walking Dead's Maggie and Negan spinoff, gets a new title. For those of you that are interested in my, like me, it is now called Dead City. And it uh, Dead well, City. Dead City. It follows popular characters Maggie and Negan, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Love those guys. Uh, as they travel together in a post-apocalyptic Manhattan, long ago cut off from the mainland, the city is crumbling, filled with zombies who've made New York City their town, full of anarchy, danger, beauty, and terror. So, be yeah. on the lookout for that. Big fan of The Walking Dead. Uh, and another is is that that's a new show, right? It's a spinoff show. This was a, I think, um, you know, is they it, playing how some many of these, se- how many seasons has it been? Uh, it's brand. Uh, well, The Walking Dead, I think, is in season eleven. This is their final. No, no, season. but but I'm talking about this uh, Dead City. Oh, I I don't know. They're, it's a brand new spinoff. So this. Is oh, brand- so they're dropping the new a new season. Yeah, they've decided okay. to the Andrew Lincoln and um. Denai Guerrera show uh, was going to be a, a movie, the Walking Dead movie, but now they've made it into a limited series that's going to drop on AMC Plus uh, within the next year, I believe. Or year and, and what's that one called? Uh, we don't know yet. Oh, okay. We don't know yet. So, but they're yeah. bringing Andrew Lincoln back. They're bringing Andrew Lincoln back. Yeah, he he didn't die. Um, 
spoiler alert, not spoiler alert from like three or four years ago, but uh, his character was quote unquote killed off. But then you saw someone rescued him and flew him away on a helicopter. And um, we're going to find out what happens to him. So, awesome. Yeah. And then uh, speaking of Jeffrey Dean Morgan, you know, I'm such a big fan of his his acting and him as a person, but uh, he's going to be starring in season four for The Boys on Amazon. So uh, this is not the first time uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan has played a hero-like character, been involved with the comic book. Of course, you know, the comic book, uh, The Walking Dead, was based on a, uh, a comic book. Um, yeah, a graphic novel. A graphic novel, and of course he also played uh one in um oh shoot i had it in the tip of my tongue um the watchman you remember the the right. watchman movie yes. uh-huh. yeah so yeah. he was in watchman as well so we're looking forward to that uh interesting news here you know i got this from slash film and uh this is probably the worst written article i've ever read um by bj coglano so i'm calling you out uh this is hbo max is recreating the problem cartoon network was created to solve basically saying hey i noticed that none of the hanna barbera series like scooby-doo uh is on hbo max and it's like um and tom and jerry and a lot of these classic uh you know cartoons and it's like um yeah i don't think you understand that a lot of these cartoon network shows and original hanna barbera uh things are being held back perhaps for something big um, while they're working out their licensing. I I, got to tell you something. I read this article and I had to laugh. I agree with you. It was one of the worst written articles. It was just a whiner. It was, you know, the guy was just whining about, uh, you know, what was happening at HBO max with the reorganization that's going on. And uh, all I will say is that it's a work in progress and they've got an enormous amount of animation content. It's not going to go to waste. Absolutely not. You know, from yeah. new favorites from Cartoon Network, like uh, when I was in college, Aqua Teen, Hunger Force, and, uh, you know, uh, Lo- Birdman Lawyer, Robot Chicken, like all that stuff is hilarious. And, of yeah. course, I'm a big fan of Scooby-Doo and, and uh, you know, all the, the Super Friends and Hanna-Barbera classics that he put out there over the years. But, um, yeah, they're not going to let that squander go to waste. Um, no. You know, so I'm sure there's something that's going to happen. Uh, for those ca- uh, cartoons, uh, Cartoon Network is, is so, uh, certainly You know viable. what? A- HBO Max and Discovery, they're merging together. It's a work in progress. There's a lot of uh, sand shifting around. And uh, I'm not going to, you know, waste any more time commenting on something, uh, A, on a terribly written article, and B, on something that is uh, a work in progress right now. I used to be a blogger, Dave, and yeah. I had a certain you know, opinion and tone um, was very playful and, and, and such, but for someone just to put sarcasm in for sarcasm's sake, uh, when mm-hmm. they sound like they don't know what they're talking about is absolutely garbage. It's garbage, yeah. garbage journalism. Uh, and so here we are um, every week. We, we try to make note of these passings of these tremendous actors of stage screen and film. Uh, so Virginia Patton, from It's a Wonderful Life, passes away at the uh, tender old age of 97, a niece of the World War II General George Patton. She was worried about how she would eat buttered popcorn while wearing white gloves in the classic film uh, It's a Wonderful Life, Dave. Yeah, you know, I got to tell you something. I was very surprised. I thought the entire cast was already dead. 
Yeah. Uh, from uh, It's a Wonderful Life because that is a holiday mainstay. Yeah, my favorite. I don't, I, I don't think a, a holiday goes by where I don't watch that movie. Uh, and it's run on so many different channels and services now. Uh, it's uh, it's amazing. She had a wonderful life uh, to live to 97. She was in a film in the lead, The Burning Cross, as well as a the Lucky Stiff in 1947 and 49. And she was also in Black Eagle as well as 1948. So she's had her share of big screen success. And like you, Dave, it is a tradition in my home to watch It's a Wonderful Life, along with Miracle on 32nd Street. Did I say that right? 34th Street? 34th Street. 34th yeah. Street, yeah. yeah. So, And of course, Nightmare Before Christmas. And of course, Nightmare Before Christmas. Of course. <laughs> of course. Um. I also grew up with this uh, gentleman, Joe Itata. You know that name because he played uh, a, a role in Beverly Hills 90210 the first time. Uh, and he passes away at the age of 85. Yeah, um, he ran the uh, Peach Pit Diner, which yeah. uh, many of the episodes had, uh, uh, you know, took some some portion of the episode took place in the Peach Pit Diner. Absolutely. I loved it. That, yeah. that was a hang for all the kids in high yeah. school. And he, he's uh, also a great character actor. He's done a lot of stuff over the years, including playing uh, little roles on The Outer Limits, Gomer Pyle, USMC, uh, Hogan's Heroes, Mannix. I mean, you name it, he was there. And, he was. And, yeah, he, yeah, he had a very busy career uh, as a character actor. Yeah, so Ian Ziering from uh, Beverly Hills 90210 made this great tribute on his Instagram. And I'll just... Uh, he goes, my smile dims today, but basking in the fond memories of movie moves for moves him from my eyes to my heart where he will always be. My sincere condolences go out to his family and friends and everyone else. He was dear to rest in peace, Joey. And, uh, it, it, of course it's much longer. I'm just, uh, reading an excerpt from his Instagram, but, uh, yeah, I think he was a lot of, a lot of those nineties kids, uh, uh, definitely uh, looking back on that show with great fondness for him and uh, the peach pit. I, yeah. I did want to mention one other oh, yes. passing yes. and that is uh, author Barbara Abercrombie, oh, no. uh, who was a guest right here on uh, the skull rock podcast yes. last year. Um, and she, um, uh, she passed away last week. Um, and, uh, it was kind of quick and, and sad, I have to say, because, uh, um, you know, she, she was a lovely, lovely person. Uh, I first met her, uh, when I took, uh, a class of hers at UCLA's writing program. And, uh, and from there, I have to say, um, you know, she, just was uh, an incredible person. I wound up taking multiple classes from her. She became a friend uh, and uh, she will be dearly missed, I have to say, because uh, she um, she really helped a lot of writers. I have to tell you that, Al John, uh, she, she had written 16 books, including Courage and Craft, Writing Your Life into Story, she also wrote A Year of Writing Dangerously and many other books that have been a great guide for writers for years. So um, I wanted to make note of that because she was a guest here. And I think at some point in, in, in the next month or so, we're going to rerun uh, the interview we did with her um, uh, last year. 
Yeah, I remember her um, promoting her last book, uh, Language of Loss. Yeah. And, um, you know, she... Which is a terrific book, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and, and something that I think is worth uh, a read for anybody uh, who uh, has struggled with uh, the loss of a loved one. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Barbara, rest in peace. And I, you will certainly be missed. But the fact that you mentored so many great writers um, over the years uh, means that your ideals and your, your influences will live on. So thank you so much and rest in peace. And now moving into our interview, we've got the legendary, legendary Gunny Napper talking about the Disney flag ceremony coming up right now on Skull Rock Podcast. Let's do it. You got it. Skull Rock Podcast. Interview time. Well, Al John, once again, we have a a fantastic and distinguished guest uh, on the Skull Rock podcast. We have Gunnery Sergeant Ernie Gunny Napper. And I have to tell you, a lot of folks who are fans of Disneyland are going to recognize this gentleman's name and and know exactly who we're talking about because he did. Uh, he did the uh, flag ceremony uh, in the town square at Disneyland for decades. And I want to welcome uh, Gunnery Sergeant uh, Ernie Gunny Napper to the show, along with his friend Susan Emsley. Well, welcome both to the Skull Rock podcast. Thank, Thank you. you, guys. Thank you. It's good to be here. Well, I, I got I got to tell you something, uh, Gunny, we, we've got a lot to unpack here because before we even get to Disneyland, we have to talk about your incredible career in the United States Marine Corps. You enlisted in the in the Marines in 1971 and you spent 22 years in the Marine Corps. Yeah which is unbelievable. So how did that all come about? Tell us where you're from and, and how you got involved with going into the Marines. Hey, I, I, I was uh, born in Richmond, Virginia, October 11, 1950. And I, uh, I graduated from Verona High School. I forgot to tell you that. I graduated from Verona High School. And after high school, I graduated. I went to work with uh, the county that I lived in, Heracle County. Uh, back then, uh, the Vietnam War was going on. And we used to have, they call them, uh, your draft numbers would come up. So you, you go in when you're 18, and you post office, and uh, you let the government know you're, you're available. And I, uh, it's a lottery, and you, you get a lottery number in the mail. And it goes by your birthday. So the lottery was getting pretty close to my birthday, which was October 11th. The lottery number came up, and I believe it was a low 300s. And I decided that I I didn't want to get drafted. I said, I think, I think I'd go before the uh draft me to go to our Vietnam and I joined the Marine Corps in uh in nineteen seventy one and I I uh I went into the Marine Corps. Uh my family was was worried as a lot of people were back then. But I, I always wanted to have a lucky day. So you had 30 days late. So I thought the best day that I could go in Marine Corps was on St. Patrick's Day. So I joined the Marine Corps on St. Patrick's Day <laughs> on the 17th, 1971. Well, let let me ask you this: Why the Marine Corps? Uh, did you have family that uh, any relatives that have been Marines, or did you just like the Marine Corps out of all the services? 
Well, this this has this had a lot to do with my uh, my uh, my biology teacher in uh, in Verona High School. He's my biology teacher. And he's my coach, and uh, coach was uh, uh, a Marine. Coach retired from the Marine Corps and then went into the teaching profession. But his professionalism and where he dealt with us on the football field, uh, uh, the strength that he had and where he carried himself, and, and knowing that he was Marine, I, uh, he was kind of like my idol. Coach was my idol. So I figured if Coach could make it, I, I think I'd give it a good try. And that's why I joined because of my coach, an example he set as a teacher. And, and so I I know I noticed in your bio that you did basic training at Paris Island. I mean that's like infamous, isn't it? I mean that's an infamous uh, marine boot camp. Yes, Paris Island, South Carolina, and I uh, I stayed eight eight weeks. Back then you had eight weeks training because of Vietnam, so I went down to Paris Island, South Carolina, and it's actually an island. That's why they call it Paris Island. Uh, once the sun goes down, the surf goes out, you're actually surrounded by water. There's no way to get off of that island. And I think they made it that way because Marine Corps boot camp wasn't easy. They didn't want you to leave. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't want anybody sneaking off in the middle of the night. Huh? <laughs> That's great. And so once you did your boot camp at Paris Island, what was the next stop? Were, were you guys going to, uh, like, we, we, did you automatically, were you going to be shipped off to Vietnam? or, or? Well, uh, right, after, right after boot camp, a graduate from boot camp, they sent us to Camp Geiger, North Carolina. This is at Camp Lejeune. And this is in uh, 71 and 72. And uh, they sent me to Engineer Battalion. So they were training me to be a combat engineer. And uh, I had no idea they was going to put me in, into that field. They wanted me to train in the field as a combat engineer. And I spent uh, six weeks in the training as a combat engineer. And we got to learn how to blow up stuff and build bridges. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, uh, build construction, drive bulldozers. So it, it, it was it was pretty interesting. But we were supposed to graduate after six weeks and go and do all that training. And right at graduation day, we were sitting in waiting for uh, the general to come to tell us we're going to graduate and give us our diplomas. And the general walked in and, and gave us notice that we would not be graduating that day, that we would be going through an additional six weeks of training to become logistics support uh, Marines, because they have lost so many Marines in Vietnam, they needed that MOS. So we, we, uh, I started training as an 0481 logistics Marine, which was my title when I retired from Marine Corps in logistics. And spent an additional eight weeks there at Camp Geico again, training to be a shore party. And, and, and you guys became part of the first landing support battalion. Is that what it is? Yes, is that- sir. First Marine Division, first landing support battalion. And, and, and so that battalion goes in like with the first wave of Marines and helps like put in infrastructure and stuff like that. Well, we're pretty much the first Marine Division support unit, wherever the combat Marines go, when they go into shore, wherever they go, the support units to uh, support them and give them everything they need. So Marines go, we will follow them. Yeah. And we will get them there by plane, by, uh, by ship. But uh, it's our responsibility to take care of the Marines in combat and give them everything they need as best we can. Wow. And then, and then, so was, was it a big letdown when the general came in? Cause you were all expecting to graduate and they said, Oh no, you're not going to graduate. You got six more weeks of training. Was there a big sort of like, Oh my gosh, kind of a moment. Gasp? Well, no, he, he had three stars. At one time they have a letdown. 
So, so <laughs> yeah, two so I wouldn't tell to be let down. So, so uh, I was just going to say, so you, you wound up doing six more weeks of training and then what? Six more weeks of training at Camp Geiger. And um, from there, I uh, I went home for a little while to visit my parents and my father and them for a little while for about for about 30 days. They gave us 30 days leave. And then they uh, they flew me to El Toro, California. Is what he flew me to. And that's my first time. That's my second time I've ever been on the airplane. And, and with, that was your first time in California, right? That's my first time in California because first, yeah. on, on, on the plane, uh, it was at nighttime. And they always they always call uh they always call California the Golden State. I see why. Because from the now you can imagine I'm, I'm from the country there, 1971. I'd never been outside of Virginia, but to me, the lights in California as we were flying over looked looked like it was gold to me. So Yeah, all those uh, yellow, the yeah, yellowish yes. lights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I said they call it the Golden State. Yeah, that that's great. Um, and then you get to you got to California and and uh I I ha, I I'm I'm I know I'm jumping ahead of myself. I know you went to Camp Pendleton, but did you ever go to Vietnam? No, sir, I did not. Excellent. I uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, I served during Vietnam. Now, once I got to El Toro, the movement to El Toro, my MOS was still shore party combat logistics. So we we're pretty much supposed to be combat marines and the logistic units to support marines. They sent me to the air wing where they have nothing but planes there. Okay. And, uh, they they asked me how did I get orders there and I'm a private so I, I couldn't sign my own orders so for El, El Toro I uh, for two years because I listed for two years back then for, so for two years I I uh, I, uh, I was on guard guard detachment uh, at the army there for two years so military police military police uh, yeah. guard. And, and 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 so. I, I'm trying. I I was trying to remember, uh, and I, I and I I should have looked it up. But the Vietnam War ended in what seventy three, seventy four. It ended in uh, 1975. 75. Okay, it got it. So, so so they were starting to. I would imagine by uh, seventy three, seventy four, things were starting to kind of pare back a little bit. Do you think or no? By 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 seventy three. By like 73, 74, Vietnam was pretty much winding down. Right. Yeah. And then after the after the fall of Saigon, yeah, is when it, when it really feels when they brought the refugees to uh, to El Toro that uh, that we took care for quite some time. But uh, in 74, 75, winding down pretty much. And uh, so, it, I mean, it was kind of lucky. I think I, I would call it luck that you kind of missed going over to Vietnam. Well, I. I, I I always, I always refer back to the date that I joined the Marine Corps, March the 17th, St. Patrick's Day, because I thought it was lucky. Yeah. I, uh, I, uh, I, I, I'm I, blessed in many ways, but in some ways, I, uh, I, I, I wish I could have had, went to join some of my buddies that were over there. Yeah, yeah. Right? And I get a chance to talk to these guys every day, and the guys that came back home. Sure. I, uh, sometimes I, I kind of think about that, uh, they didn't sign your orders to go to Vietnam, but I, uh, I would, would like to have went. Yeah, I, I hear you on that. Um, so you're you're in the Marine Corps, and you spent 22 years. Let, let's let's talk about how you made the leap from Marine Corps to flag ceremony because you were still in the Marines when you started doing the flag ceremony at Disney, right? At Disneyland. Well, I, have, I have retired from Marine Corps then. Okay. 
Now, I retired from the Marine Corps on April the 27th, 1992. Okay. And, and I thought about this because uh, being in the Marine Corps all those years, uh, when I was at El Toro, I always wanted to work at Disneyland. When I was at El Toro in 1971, a young man's corporal, when I got promoted, I, I applied for a position, a job at Disneyland to work there. And uh, back during the Vietnam, I, I, I waited a while, but I never got an answer uh, from Disney saying, uh, well, we have a job position to open for you, for you back then. So I, I remember that when I retired from uh, the Marine Corps, I always wanted to work with Disneyland. And they never answered me in 1971 when I put it in my application. Yeah. So before I retired from Marine Corps in 1992, I went to Disney, uh, filled out the application, the paperwork, went through the interviews, and they they hired me. Nice. And, and, and what'd you get hired into? Security. Okay. And, and, and so so you retire from, from the Marine Corps. You did your 22 years. And you start working at, uh, at Disneyland in security. How did the whole flag ceremony come, come around? Well, the, well, Walt Disney started flag retreat at Disneyland. Once it opened, a lot of years ago, Walt Disney started flag retreat at Disneyland. And Walt, Walt Disney was a patriot. Does everyone know he was a patriot? And he, he always thought about veterans. And he always honored veterans at Disneyland. And I... Uh, I, I was aware of that, the, the patriotism about war for, for the nation, for veterans. Uh, once I got to Disneyland Security, I did not know Disneyland Security uh, had a detail that they do flag with tea ceremony. I've seen it on TV. So once I joined the security department, I was there a couple of months. Uh, I seen the officers doing the flag with tea ceremony. They asked me would I like to uh, be a part of that. And I, I, I told them, yes, I would like to, like to uh be a part of Disneyland faculty ceremony at, at Disneyland. And that's, that's where I got my start at. And, and Lauren and Flag and, and Arnold and the veterans there was at the flag pole when I, when I joined in 1992. And, and how many years did you do the flag ceremony uh, in, in the town square? 29 years. 29, 29 <laughs> years. So 29 years after you did 22 years in the Marine Corps. Yes, sir. 29 years. Well, actually, 21 years, six months, and two days in the Marine Corps. Okay. <laughs> an even number. Well, we, we'll go around that. We'll round that off to 22 years, okay? Right. You're, you're past right. six months. It's 22 right. years. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, uh, 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 going back to thinking about uh, uh, Walt Disney when he started Flag Retreat at Disney, man. Walt Disney did not, uh, Walt Disney wanted to help with the Flag Retreat ceremony at Disney, man. So what he what he what what Walt Disney was he contacted Walter Ehlers, and Walter Ehlers was a staff sergeant in the United States Army, and Walter Ehlers and his brother uh, landed on Normandy on D Day. Wow, wow! Landed on Normandy Beach on D Day, and uh, Walter Ehlers lost his brother the same day. Uh. They did not. They didn't. He didn't notice until I think about three days later, when he finally told me he lost his brother on D Day. Well, Walter Ehlers. Uh, did a lot on Normandy Beach and uh, during that war. Walter Ehlers was honored Congressional Medal of uh, Honor. He was awarded that. And because of that, uh, Walt Disney contacted me. Walter, Walter Ehlers told me the story. <laughs> I, wow. I, I, I talked to him because he was at the flagpole with me for quite a few years. And I got to meet him and his family at the flagpole. And um, Walt Disney wanted, wanted, wanted help with the flag retreat ceremony. And he contacted Walter Ehlers. 
And uh, Walter Ehlers uh, started that flag retreat ceremony and, and showed him how to load a flag at this man. So uh, because of Walter Ehlers, that flag retreat is there. And and, and now, uh, did he wear his uniform uh, even though he was retired? Was he able to wear his uniform or did he not wear his uniform? Well, Walter Ehlers, uh, Walter Ehlers told me himself, and then this, 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 this is a funny story, but Walter Ehlers told me himself when I met him at the flagpole, and on Veterans Day, he used to go backstage with all the cast members, the veterans, and we have a medium act there, and I introduced Walter Ehlers. Walter Ehlers, uh, uh, Walter Ehlers, when he joined Disney, he told Mr. Disney, he told Walt Disney, or Walt Disney asked him, uh, uh, I want you to work with this man, and Walter East. Walter told uh, Walt Disney that uh, there was no position that they could put him in that he knew how to do anything at Disneyland. And uh, 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 Walt, Walt Disney put Walter Ehlers into the security. So he became a part of the security department, which he worked there for two years as security officer. Just two years? Just two years. He worked there at uh, Disneyland Security and he helped form the flag retreat ceremony. Wow. And then when you were doing it for those 29 years, were you wearing your Marine uh, uniform down there or no? Oh, no, I, I'm retired and we have a security costume, the same uh, costume the security officers wear today. Okay. We wear our security costume because we're Disney cast members. Right, right. So you had the white hat on? Right. Well, back yeah. then, they, uh, the costume had been changed like for day. Back then when I joined, we had the blue shirts. We wore the white belts. Uh-huh. The white Hats and then the uh, and the white cover to load the flag in. Okay, and, uh, that was the original Disney costume. As a matter of fact, that costume was the original security costume that Walt Disney wanted the officers to wear. Oh, so I and I'm imagining the color scheme it was, was so they were queuing off the Marine Corps dress uniform, weren't they? It was kind. Of, it was kind of like that because we had the red stripe down the side there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it's the closest wearing the Marine Corps uniform as you could get. <laughs> now, you. When I first met you, I I, I was incredibly impressed uh, because you were in your Marine uniform, uh, and you know you were you know it was you know pressed and shined. Uh, and, and, uh, is that the uniform that you're, you start, you're using your uniform, your Marine Corps uniform to do the flag ceremony now at Walt's barn. Right. 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 So, so you, you ended the 29 year run at Disneyland, uh, during, uh, was it during the pandemic? No, uh, during the pandemic, I had taken off for a couple of months for the pandemic. Yeah. And uh, like I came back to Disney, and I uh, uh, I uh, I worked there for quite some time. Then, uh, then uh, that was my my twenty ninth year was the last time I, I loaded the flag at Disney. Wow, wow! And then when did you start doing it from uh, at Walt's Barn? Now, for our listeners, I do want to mention that Walt's Barn is actually if you've never been to Southern California. Uh, it's actually a barn that was at Walt Disney's home on Carrollwood Drive in Beverly Hills. And it's where Walt did uh, worked on his miniature train set that he had running around his property. And so that barn was moved to uh, a spot in Griffith Park 
where there's uh, it's travel town where the trains are uh, full size trains and the steamer club and everything, but they open it to the public every, is it every third Sunday of the month? Yes. It's third Sunday of the month and it's free of charge. There's there's no, no admission to this. No admission whatsoever. They have uh, all, all, all the, uh, People that work there are volunteers. Uh, they're working the bar. Former cast members that used to work with Walt, Walt Disney uh, show up, and some of them work there. Um, and it's, it's, it's free to the public. And I, uh, it's, it's, it was a lot of fun for me to go there because uh, 29 years of being at Disneyland, I have not retired yet. I just want to let you know I have not retired yet. I'm in the process, still working on my retirement. Oh, from, makes, di- from Disney? Yes, I'm still in the process of working okay. But uh, the barn invited me. A lot of the cast members didn't see me at the flag anymore at Disneyland. And they, uh, they invited me to come out to the barn. And I went out to the barn um, in uniform. And uh, they asked me to lower the flag that day, the first time I've ever been out there. And that, that was a huge honor because I got a chance to not only have the opportunity in 29 years to lower the flag at Disneyland, but giving uh, I mean, a huge opportunity for me to be invited to the barn and lower their flag also. And I, I can't think... Uh, I believe it's the the Brogy family. Oh yeah, yeah, so yeah. I, I cannot thank them so much for for keeping that barn to where it's at. Yeah, yeah. The Brogy family. Uh, there was like multiple generations of that family worked at uh, uh, at Disney, uh, and uh, you know did a tremendous amount. I uh, uh, I have to say uh, when I met you back in I think it was May. Uh, and you mentioned people that are volunteering there. Uh, one, one person is Tanya McKnight Norris, who we, yes. we just had, uh, on our podcast. Yes. Uh, she, she, you know, she is somebody who worked directly with Walt Disney back in the, in the sixties. And, uh, uh, and she volunteers her time down at the, uh, at Walt's barn, at travel town. And I, I, you know, I have to say, to all of our listeners, if you haven't experienced uh, the flag ceremony, uh, uh, you can see it every third Sunday at Walt's Barn uh, in Glendale. It's part of Griffith Park. And I, I find it, I, I, I have to tell you, it, it's a showstopper because everybody stops. Everybody's looking at you, looking at the flagpole, the, the flag coming down. The way you're folding it, I mean, it 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 it's just an experience that you have to see uh, in person because it raises the hair on the back of your neck when you see it, and uh, and it's so beautifully done. Uh, that's all I can say about it. But you're going to do it now for from now on at, at Walt's Barn is what I'm understanding. Is that right? As long as they're willing to help me. Uh- Come out and lower the flag. Uh, I've got a master sergeant also, Master Sergeant Frank Payne, that assisted me uh, in lowering the flag there. He, he was the Marine, the other Marine you've seen in uniform. Okay. The lower the flag. So as long as uh, the, the barn uh, wants to come back, we will, we will be there. And well, to me, it's special because at the end of the day, Walt Disney wanted wanted to uh, lower the flag at the end of the day to represent. Uh, what America is about, and at the end of that day, we're going to honor America and their veterans and what the country country means to us. 
So the same thing at the barn. Each, each time I load a pack at the barn, we load a pack. I think about Walt Disney. I do. Yeah. I think about, and what do you, what do you, what do you want to mean of the flag retreat today? Dave, may I say something? Yeah, please, Susan. I was just about to ask you a question because I wanted to say, Susan, what do you think of all this? <laughs> well, uh, talking about Gunny um, um, being in his dress blues, I've always felt this as long as I've known him because he's such a great guy, funny, had a great personality. <laughs> but when he dons that, I'm going to cry. When he dons that uniform, there is a, a reverence that comes over his being. And when he lowers a flag, anywhere he lowers a flag, there is a reverence that he doesn't demand, but his presence and his spirit, those around that flagpole know this is important. It's meaningful. And um, he doesn't have to say other than doing what he does well, doing from the bottom of his heart. But when he dons that dress blues, he is a different in a different frame of mind. I, you know, I, I, I have to tell you something. It, it is so impressive. I, I was so moved and so impressed to see Gunny when I first met him in his dress uniform and that chest full of medals. And I just want our listeners to know that that just some of some of his achievements, some of his his awards while he was in the Marine Corps, Navy Achievement Medal. Meritorious Unit Commendation, the Navy Meritorious Unit Commendation, Good Conduct with four stars, National Defense Ribbon, one star, the Southwest Asia Medal, two stars, Vietnam Humanitarian Ribbon, Overseas Deployment Ribbon, one star, Kuwaiti, uh, Kuwait Liberation in Saudi Arabia and Kuwait Liberation, uh, Kuwait uh, uh I mean, that's the, the, the Kuwait freedom, uh, uh, medal. My brother got one of those too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, is, is that's just some of Gunny's, uh, uh, medals and, and awards that I, I, I mean, it's just so impressive to see that yeah. on your chest, on that uniform and, uh, you know, to, to see you go through, uh, the, the various stages of that flag, uh, uh, ceremony, it, it, it it's moving. Uh, and I and I understand Susan why you get choked up when you start talking about it. I do, I do. It's a uh, yeah. The, go the, ahead, Gun. To me, to me, to wear that uniform, and uh, a lot of a lot of people don't know this, and this this is a true story here. That is my original set of dress blues that I bought in the Marine Corps. You know, so. I got to tell you, I, I I have to say, I'm jealous. I'm jealous, uh, you know, because it's like you're you're stepping into a uniform that yeah you you wore when you were probably 25 years old. Yes, sir. <laughs> I, I I think there's a lot of listeners out there that are just shaking their heads, wishing they could could be in that kind of good shape. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of them <laughs> to, for sure. to still fit in a in a uniform from their youth or or even clothes from their youth. <laughs> Well, I've got to say, you know, Gunny, uh, thank you so much for your service. I know a lot of people say it, but um, it is such a chilling thing to see uh, the flag retreat ceremony, both Disneyland and Walt Disney World. It's a highlight for my wife and I every time we go uh, to the parks. And I, I, I love the ceremony so much. 
And it, it just means a lot to so many people, just the reverence and the, the way, uh, the care and love, of course, that you have and, uh, you know, to the, showing the veterans uh, the respect. And I know everybody does. And uh, I just wanted to say that because it, it just means a lot. And it's, it's great to finally meet you. I think it's a, a wonderful thing what you're doing there over there at Walt's Bar. And so I encourage everybody out there to, to check it out for sure. And, and you know, though, I want our listeners to uh, uh, to to hear this too, because I I I find this to be just incredible. Uh, the executive director of the Marine Corps League from Washington D.C., along with other members, came to Disneyland to meet Gunny in two thousand, two thousand one, yes. and two thousand three. You you got the Disneyland Bronze Award for Guest Satisfaction. In 2002, you got the Disneyland Gold Award. In 2013, for uh, you got the Gold Award uh, for uh, Guest Satisfaction. You received the highest honor a cast member can receive, the Walt Disney Legacy Award. Uh, you've been interviewed by the Smithsonian American History Museum in Washington, D.C. You've shared your life story uh, uh, of service and honoring veterans, uh, in that interview. I, I mean, it just like, it's so incredible. You, you know, when you, you look at that body of work from the time you enlisted in 1971 to now, I mean, that's just amazing. Well, I'll tell you, uh, I always thought about in my Marine Corps career, I, I, I always thought about, um, being a veteran and, and serving our nation, and how much how much that means to a lot of people out there. Um, back in um, back when Walt started flag retreat at Disneyland, uh, Diane Disney used used to, to tell this story about Walt Disney used to look out the window above his apartment uh, every day. At the end of the day, when the flag would come down, to Walt Disney would look out that window and he have a tear in his eye. Yeah, and uh, uh, because he loved America so much. But back then, that flag retreat ceremony, the flagpole was empty. And once uh, guests come to the flagpole, there weren't veterans standing at a crowded flagpole. And uh, Dave, I truly believe in my heart, the reason I started to do all of this, was I truly believe in my heart that Walt Disney uh, didn't get a chance to see that flagpole crowded with cast members. He didn't get a chance to see uh, the veterans standing at the flagpole to be garnered. I, I believe it was October the 14th, Susan, if I got this day right? Yes. Yeah. October the 14th was the last day that Walt Disney was inside of the Disneyland Park. And he honored, I believe it was 35 Medal of Honor recipients at, at, the, at the flagpole in Town Square. Wow. Walt Disney honored 35 because he wanted to honor veterans and he believed in that. But he, in his lifetime, he never got the chance to see that flagpole full of veterans yeah. or guest gas members. So for me to go to Disneyland and, and do what I've done from 1971 as a veteran, remember that, knowing how Walt Disney felt about the veterans, but also knowing that for me, I knew he never got the chance to see that the flagpole. I always wanted, I always truly believed that he wanted to see that. So what all I've done in my career at Disneyland and at the barn and still doing at the barn is living Walt's dream for him. Yeah. Because he never got the chance to see that flagpole crowded like that. And, uh, I'm going to keep on living for him every day that I'm here. Uh, yeah. Uh, also, not only did uh, Gunny um, uh, lead the ceremony often, and we called it a, ser- a ceremony, not a show. I, there's everything at Disney is a show, but we would tell managers and whoever would listen, please don't call it a show. 
this is a ceremony and it's sacred. Uh, Gunny would come out with um, the color guard, whoever was on guard, a color guard that day, if they chose to come out, Gunny always came out to actually meet and greet people waiting for the ceremony. Over the years that we've known one another, we have met so many uh, hurting veterans, veterans, especially Vietnam veterans. Many of them, when they came home, they didn't want to be recognized or tell anyone that they even served because of how they were uh, treated uh, coming home. Uh, Through Gunny's heart for them and respect for them, We've seen veterans restored and, and stood up at that flagpole uh, with pride, with their cap on, where they served, and a- actually reaching out to other veterans. That's what he did beyond uh, the job description. He has a heart for veterans. And when he would come out there, the stories that we've heard over the years of really healing of these veterans and the pride that they now feel, yeah. I'm proud that I served and uh, hundreds and hundreds had life-changing events, just meeting Gunny and feeling the sincerity of his heart, but being on other veterans that started to talk about their service too and be proud. And I think it was a very different climate back when the Vietnam War ended. There was a lot of uh, turmoil in the country. There, the country was divided. There was protest to end the war. Right. There, there were other cross currents in the politics that were going on. And, and I don't think that the Vietnam veterans who came home were treated very well. Uh, that's the bottom line. It's a very different story today with, with our military and, and, and the, uh, uh, people serving in the various branches of the military, whether it was in Afghanistan or, or Iraq or whatever, uh, they, they came home to a hero's welcome. Right. Uh, uh, and that, that's sort of the, the real contrast between that period in the mid seventies and today. You know, and, uh, and and I think it's important, uh, certainly, that uh, veterans know that they're appreciated and their service uh, is very much appreciated. And uh, so it's nice to hear that Gunny did a lot of that uh, while he was doing the the flag ceremony at Disneyland. What what do you what do you feel about uh, you know when you look back on your career? Uh, what are you most proud of? The my Marine Corps career, or? yeah, just both careers. Um, Marine Corps for me, I was uh, I, I was just proud to, to serve. In fact, I had the opportunity to serve my country, yeah. and uh, then then I actually had the opportunity to step on foreign soil in the war to, to serve America. Yeah, uh, and I think about a lot of veterans out there, and when you, when you serve your country, it means a great deal. My Disneyland career. Uh, my proudest moment was I got so many of them, but my proudest moment was <laughs> I received when I received the uh, Walt Disney Legacy Award, and uh, I received that award. They had uh, numerous amount of cast members. What makes this so important to me that cast members from Disneyland, each department from the departments, wrote letters in nominating me for this. And I did not know this. Wow, that's here's, awesome! Here's your manager write you in. Or you man to that section, they nominate you, and then they, it goes through three processes. But we had cast members from each department 
from all over the resort writing letters in to nominate me. And that that was very special. Wow. Special. I can also, imagine. Oh, oh, yes. So especially, it means a lot more to you coming from your fellow cast members. It does. That you see at Disneyland every day. And uh, another high point in my life is that I was deeply, deeply honored by uh, the Veterans Administration of California uh, from the governor's office. They came down from the governor's office to um, to award me for uh, Army Veterans at Disney. And I, I have that. Uh, Lifetime of Service, uh, uh, John Craft. Lifetime of Service Award for Army Veterans at Disneyland. And, wow. Uh, they held the ceremony at Disneyland behind the security office. And I actually had guests come there, my friends come back there. And uh, uh, they they are they honored me with that with a nice with a nice cake and a wonderful plaque. And wow. I uh, they gave me a, a beautiful coin that I uh, that I gave to my daughter in Chicago to keep with her all the time. Uh what do they call those coins? Is that oh, a ch- challenge, challenge coin, coins. right? The challenge coins, right? Right. Yeah. Now, then the history of the challenge coin is like in the military. Military usually give out the challenge coins, and uh, uh, if a if a service member gave another service member a challenge coin, you keep that challenge coin with you always, always. Now, if you come back and ask you to see the challenge coin, if you could not pull that challenge coin out or you did not have it on your possession, then you you have to buy beer. Right. Yeah, that's, I remember hearing that. That's right. That was that was always a good thing. <laughs> right. Now, if, if someone asks you to see your challenge corner, the veteran pull that challenge corner out and they ask to see it, you can just show it to them. But if you let them take that challenge corner out of your hand, and this is old tradition, if they take the challenge corner and you let them hold it, it's no longer yours now. It's theirs. Like, and I, yes, that's why. Can I see it? <laughs> and, and you and you, it's if you want to, you can pass it on. Yeah, if you want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if you don't, you gotta you gotta hold on to it with your fingers. Uh, yeah, pro- that's, it- that's, that's like a oh oh story at the military service. <laughs> yeah, anyone wants to see my challenge going, you can hold it. That's proud. awesome. That that is so awesome. It is. Well, I gotta tell you, uh, Gunny, uh, it was such a pleasure having you on the Skull Rock podcast and Susan, I, I Susan, before we go, I, I just want to just get your impression. I, what do you, when you look at Gunny, what do you think uh, of all of these things that he's done? Um, great pride to know him as a friend. He's now our, he's our family. He's part of our family. The bond that we have is uh, God given to us. And, um, yeah, it's overwhelming. He, I, I've taught for almost 40 years in now three schools. He has come to each of my schools twice a year on a Veterans Day Chapel and a Memorial Day Chapel. Spoke in his dress blues, which the kids are like just in awe to see that. But over a period of time at my first school that he came to, he, he got to know these kids from preschool to eighth grade. Anytime Gunny would come to the Valley and come to our school, it was like, Gunny's here. And they would just, you know, they, they knew how much he cared. And they knew after a period of time, we would realize because they would put on these beautiful heartfelt chapels and these eighth grade kids, I think they did a performance and they walked by all the veterans. They stopped at our pew first and (laughs) they saluted Gunny. And I told Gunny after that, 
the look in these young children's eyes that we've known since preschool that are now leaving our school, they understand what that flag represents. They understand the respect that uh, our veterans are due and they will continue that. And that's what we do now. Uh, we go to schools. Um, we go wherever people ask us to, uh, to come. We want the American Heritage Girls, uh, tra Boys Trail Life, which are groups like Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts. We're, we're going to a flag retirement uh, out, out in Simi Valley to American Heritage Girls uh, to teach them how to respectfully uh, retire flags. Um, we've got the city of Norco. Where city of Norco. Oh, that's not on. Yes. City of Norco. When when the Marine Corps League came from Washington, D.C., they came because they read an article in Semper Fi magazine about Gunny. This was a third article, a columnist um, that's known all over the country, wrote three articles about Gunny, um, and they, they put him in the Semper Fi. They were at Pendleton, and they had those Semper Fi. said, we've got to go to Disneyland. They emailed me. And said, is there any way we can get into Disneyland? So I called Gunny. I said, Gunny, I said, do you have any comp tickets? I said, I think there's going to be four of them coming. Uh -huh. I can do that. And then I, I got another one. I said, I think there's <laughs> nine of them now. There was nine of them. Wow. Hired general. His name was Ron Coleman. I'll never right. forget. He came to me and he said, Susan, I was going to take the plane back to D.C. But I read that article about Gunny and I had to come. And shake his hand. Wow. Um, yeah. We have been blessed to to have the good Lord put him in our pathway. And now he can't get rid of this. <laughs> He's our well, family. Well, I got to tell you, it, it was an absolute pleasure having both of you. Uh, uh, Gunnery Sergeant Ernie Gunny Napper uh, and Susan Emsley uh, to be on the Skull Rock podcast and, and to tell us uh, about your your story and your history and all of that and and I will say to you both you should consider doing a book uh about Gunny's uh life and about the flag ceremony and not only uh, a regular book but I think a children's book on the flag ceremony uh and what what it really means so that you know it's something that children can can actually read about and and I'm just, I'm making that suggestion. Oh, that's, that's a great suggestion because I'll go anywhere to teach a child or any school. If you can hear me out there, I'll come to any school in the state of California <laughs> that, uh, that I, can, I can go and talk to the children about, uh, about the veterans and what, what the American flag means. I'll go to any veterans. If, if, you, if you call me, I'll try and be there. So uh, it's my life, it's my life uh, dream to go ahead and uh, teach, especially our young people about uh, the veterans and what, what, it, what it means to be American and American flag. And uh, also uh, to take the children to the barn to learn about what Walt Disney meant and what he did so long ago. Take these little small kids now so they can learn about what Walt Disney and see the training and stuff that he did for, for America also. Well, that's one thing I want our listeners to to really, you know, if you if, if you're somewhere outside of California and you ever get to Southern California, you need to check out Walt's Barn in uh, Travel Town in, in near Travel Town in uh, Griffith Park, Los Angeles, and it's every third Sunday of the month. 
It's open to the public and it's free admission. And by the way, Gunny, I'm trying to get a yes. bunch of book authors together to come uh, maybe in November and do a, a, a big group book signing uh, in, in time for the holidays. And I know you'll be there because I'm going to be looking forward to seeing you do the flag, cer- flag ceremony there. And I'll be looking forward to, to seeing you there again. And uh, uh, at the end of the day, I wanted to share this with uh, all, all, all the listeners out there and you. Uh, oh, I used to tell the kids at Disney when they come to, uh, and talk to me, and I had to sign an autograph with the kids out there. I just enjoy the kids and everything about Disneyland. I used to tell those kids when they asked for my autograph, I used to sign on that autograph, a dream is a wish your heart makes. Well, I have a, I have a dream I wanted to uh, you and the listeners know about right now. I'm just from the bottom of my heart. My my dream is to have a, uh, my name in the window on Main Street one day. Wow. That is a dream, my friend. That is a coveted one. <laughs> I know. And, I you, wanted, you, and, and if anybody deserves it, you certainly do. Well, I wanted to share that with you because I always, uh, I always wanted to be a part of something that's forever. Okay? Yeah. To be inside of Disneyland, yeah. with your name on the window is forever. Yeah. And then that's, that's that that means so much because I look at the names and the ones out there already. The Sherman Brothers, oh my goodness, uh, the countless names in there. Oh yeah, that would be a part of Disneyland for the other. And I, uh, I, I think I kind of like that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you have it, uh, Gunny and Susan. Thank you very much for being on the Skull Rock Podcast. Thank you guys. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Your attention, please. (laughs) Now loading on track number one for a trip around Walt Disney's Magic Kingdom. Skull Rock Podcast. All aboard. Your Main Street to the world of Disney. Wow. I'm sure there's so many stories that Gunny could tell us. Yeah, he's just an incredibly nice guy. And I have to tell you, I, I was just blown away when I first met him. Uh, and I met him at Walt's barn, uh, and, uh, he's doing the flag ceremony there once a month. And, and it really is such a treat to be there when he's, uh, taking the flag down in the late afternoon. Um, incredibly nice man. And, uh, what service he's given to this country and to Disney. Yeah. You know, and, and I have to say, I mean, just, uh, unbelievably nice man. We can't lose these type of ceremonies uh, and the history should be passed on from generation to generation. It's about um, love, care, respect, um, you know, all those things that are very near and dear to so many people. So uh, Gunny, thank you so much for your service and thank you for these stories. And uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing you when I make my trip out there to the, to the left coast as it will. And, uh, and check it out, you know, and I'm glad that Disney in some ways carrying on uh, with those flag ceremonies, ceremonies, it means a lot to a lot of people. And it's just, you know, part of those values that I I believe need to live on. But it's not part of yield management. It is definitely not part of yield management. (laughs) It is definitely not a show. That is definitely something that, that we learned today, not part of yield management and not part of a show. It is a ceremony. Dave, yeah, just slide that uh, one I'm, in there. I'm, I'm just terrible. I love it. <laughs> no, no. 
You're not, anyway, hey gang, thank you so much for listening to the show. If you loved it, if you liked it, give us a like, give us a thumbs up. Be sure to subscribe to our show. We're on all these different podcast platforms around the globe. Uh, we're everywhere you can get podcasts. So be sure you tell all your friends that you're listening to Skull Rock Podcast. Don't forget to also check out our great sponsors of the show, Shure at S-H-U-R-E dot com, the Shure Microphone Company, who hooked us up with some great microphones as well as the Old Mill Press. You'll see the link for all those great books there in our show notes, Old Mill Press. Uh, get your great books today. They are great books. And uh, be sure to follow us on all the social media as well. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the show archive as well at anchor.fm. And uh, we would love to hear from you. Send us those emails. Dave at SkullRockPodcast.com or Aljon at SkullRockPodcast.com. Dave. And you can also check out my website, davidbossert.com. There's all kinds of stuff there, including articles on Disney history, as well as free stuff. Uh, Just uh, check it out at davidbossert.com. With that, uh, we look forward to having you back next week right here on the Skull Rock Podcast. Skull Rock Podcast is made possible by listeners like you. We'd love to thank Charles, Lindsay, Spencer, and Joshua. To support this podcast to sustain future episodes, visit anchor.fm forward slash Skull Rock Podcast. I'm Al John Go, co-host of the Disney List Podcast as heard on Sorcerer Radio, as well as Skull Rock Podcast, here with my wife, Kristen. Hello. Hello. You are an earmarked agent who books Disney travel vacations for people all the time. Give our listeners a reason why they want to give you a call instead of just booking a trip by themselves. Well, I can do all of the legwork for them. I have expertise. I've been to the Disney parks well over a hundred times. So they've got that knowledge at their hand as well as it saves them time and money. Where can people get in touch with you so that they can book their next Disney cruise, Disney park trip, Adventures by Disney? They can contact me at theme parks and cruises at gmail.com. <laughs>